What is up, happy people? This is the Wolfman, the One Man Band, the One Man Podcast, venting and talking to you about stuff that's been on my mind this week. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. It is comic book Wednesday. And uh, let's get at it as I drive around and see what I can find for the days. All right, my dudes, so here's the thing. I recorded that intro three or four different times. I'm usually a one-take, hot-take person, and for some reason was stumbling on my words, said some things that I didn't want to jinx myself with, and uh, hopefully that isn't a curtailing of how today is going to go. Um, I think I actually had a pretty good week. And I question that because I'm not sure if it was or if I was just in a better mood to handle the bullshit. But uh, we all know how things go. And so let's get right to it. First of all, complaint fresh on my mind, eBay. It always seems to be a problem. I mean, it just never ends on eBay. And I don't understand why people can't read. Uh, specifically says in my profile... And in every auction, I do not ship internationally. Now, the reason for that being is old school because it used to be a pain in the ass. You used to have to be able to uh, go in and fill out customs forms. Now everything's a lot easier. You can just click and ship. But now the reason I don't ship internationally is because it seems to go to a shipping center to people that don't care even less than our own shipping centers care, and they just destroy things. I've tried sending high-end collectibles, and the box is destroyed, and I get blamed for it, or I send mint-on-card things, and it just, it ends up getting scuffed. That, and British people are just fucking snooty and pissy about their tea, and yeah, I just, man, I, I don't get it. But I don't understand when it specifically says no international bid bidding, how all these people from Taiwan, Mexico, the Philippines, and everyone else completely ignore that and go straight to the shipping station or the third-party carriers. It's If I see it and if I catch it, I will nip that in the butt and delete the auction and offer it to someone else uh, because it's the same thing. My commitment ends as soon as it hits the drop station in Oregon, San Francisco, or I think the other one's in Florida. Um, but they can still leave negative feedback if it doesn't show up from that point on. And it just, they could open up a claim. It's just not worth the hassle for me. And I hate it. People don't pay attention, they don't care. The other thing that really pisses me off is. Why would you bid on something and then not pay for it? Unless it's malicious. I don't understand these zero bidders, which this is... eBay's fucking up lately. I have it specifically blocked that people internationally cannot bid on my stuff. Yet people are bidding on my stuff saying they're based in Mexico, but their address is in Texas, which is a, you know, a drop ship. Well, now I also have it blocked where people with negative feedback, zero feedback, or below, I think, 10 or 15 feedback aren't allowed to bid. And I had two people, one was a one feedback and one was a zero. So unless eBay is changing their own rules and changing my own personal defaults, 
I I don't know. Uh, I these people should have been blocked, and they're blocked for good reason. And then now we know why. Because they haven't paid for their shit, and that's irritating as fuck. Almost as irritating as this Subaru going 30 miles on the goddamn freeway. Go, bitch! Fuck! I'm actually not in a mood, but this jack-off is going so slow, and everyone's speeding around me now that I can't even get around him. It's a goddamn freeway! It's a fucking lady by herself wearing a mask alone in her own goddamn car going 35 on a fucking freeway. Holy shit. Alright. So another quick little tidbit now that I'm done with the eBay ranting is the whole dating thing. I don't know if I covered it. Uh, I was talking and trying to give the corrections officer a brief chance and she didn't pan out. Um, We had a date set. She was excited to see me, and then the day of when I confirm, because I always do that, she says, oh, I got called into work. And the problem with getting called into work was she works 4 a.m., and I was up till 2 a.m. I know, I, I mean, actually, I was probably up till 3 or 4. Anyway, if you got called in for work and you were as excited as you said you were to meet up with somebody, then you could leave them a message knowing that their phone's either on do not disturb or that they're still up be like, oh, I just got called in. Why would you wait until I'm about ready to leave just to confirm before you say, oh, I got called into work? That's flaking. That's blowing somebody off. I wish she was blowing me off, but that's not how it worked out. Uh, but you know what? It is what it is. And that's, that's the dating scene around here. So, Speaking of that, we might as well get into that part. I was privy to some band drama, and for once, it wasn't mine. It was actually quite hilarious to see drama happen when it didn't involve me. Um, I had gone to a few other gigs, trying to explore other options and other venues. It was great. I had a good time. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I go to see my usual band with my usual bunny ears that you can't see buddies and we have some out of town friends show up and you know this is the thing two issues here band hangarounds are slutty and treat band members like the guys until they get drunk and then they're gonna fuck one of them and the second thing is don't ever try and date a musician because they're gonna fuck one of their best friends, more bunny ears that you can't see, and if you try and hold a musician down or tie him down, it's going to be like trying to hug a feral cat. It's just not going to happen. And that was the scenario. So we had an out-of-town friend show up. She started, She brought a guy friend, you know, the love-you-like-a-brother type from high school that they've known each other forever. Well, it turns out when they get drunk, he thinks he's got a chance finally after 20 years. This would be his long lost love. Also, she's flirting with the entire band, having a good time, fresh off of divorce from my best friend, which is hilarious. 
and I wasn't being any part of it. I was kind of pushing her away, letting her have her fun, but didn't want to just, you know, let her join in on the flirting. If she wants to hoe it out, that's fine, but I still got respect for my buddy, and I'm not doing that. So she starts flirting with the band, and the one that she's staying with has been kind of seeing someone. I wouldn't call it a girlfriend, but the girl thinks that she's a girlfriend, and now she's all pissed off that an out-of-town friend is coming to stay with a musician, flirting like a whore in heat, and then, well, you can see where that's going. So obviously that girlfriend is no longer in the situation. She got told to fuck off. I tried to give her my best advice, and it was the whole feral cat speech. And also, it's a musician. So here's the thing. If you're a musician, it's, it's, like, it's like a military wife. It's a very special breed of person. Uh, talked with another buddy. We called them uh, ring rats. The hangarounds and groupies for wrestlers. Uh, groupies for musicians. There's also what I call bargoyles. Uh, these are the sluts that just hang out in bars, maybe blow a bartender or two here and there to get some blow and some free drinks. Uh, but here's the thing. If you're a stripper, a hooker, a bartender, a musician, an entertainer, an actor, a professional wrestler, or anybody in the limelight that has anything to offer, you have a status quo that people want to be around you because of what you do as a job, they need to understand that what you do for a job is networking, entertainment, and flirting to keep people to come to your job. And if you don't understand that, do not date an entertainer or a musician. That's how it's always going to be. Now, she felt highly disrespected, the one that thought she was dating one of the band members. And rightly so. But this is how we've always acted around this person and nobody's ever followed through with it. Well, the only problem is now things have changed and now that she's divorced, she's going to hoe it up. You know, you've, you've heard my rants on divorced women and it's just, they, they get their second win. They don't think they're pretty or good enough because of a, a failed marriage and they probably had a few kids, gained some weight, and they finally lost some weight, and they got some deflated milk bags for you to play with, and they just want to hoe it out like there's no tomorrow. So, you know what? It, it, it is what it is. I can't fault anyone for that, but I'll tell you what. If I was dating somebody, I would let everybody know that, hey, I'll flirt with you from on stage, but when I'm off stage, I'm having a drink with my girl. Or, God, fucking people, man, they can't drive today. I'm trying to merge into this thing so I can get into uh, the parking lot and people aren't letting anybody in. Fucking ridiculous, I never have this problem. So fucking irritating. Those lights, you ever get at those intersections where you just sit at the fucking light forever and there's just a stream of cars, you're trying to turn right off of a freeway and then everyone behind you is pissed. They're like, what do you want me to do? Like merge into 60 mile an hour traffic from a zero point stop? Come on. And then there's just no traffic control. It's just irritating as fuck. So anyway, 
back to the whole groupie girlfriend thing. Uh, I had a situation where I was dating someone and she wasn't comfortable with the flirting. You know, you flirt to get free drinks. You flirt to get bitches to dance in front of the stage. You flirt to be a performer so that the bar hires you again and then you attract people to the shows. Well, I had a group of girls dance in front of me, buy me shots, having a good old time. I get off stage, give them all a hug. They bump and grind, do their little thing. Say, I say thank you for the shots. And the whole time, my girlfriend's over there steaming behind the sound booth. So just kind of behind my back, I, I give her the finger like motion to come here. And uh, she walks up next to me. And I just, I'm talking to the gals. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Hey, thanks for coming out to the show. Meanwhile, I turn around and up and under my girlfriend's hair, tilt her head back, pull her in, kiss her in front of him, said, hey, I got to go get a quickie before the next set. I'll see you later. And I, I it, the girl's faces looked like I just shocked them with a cattle prod. And my girlfriend actually wanted to go do the quickie. She thought that was the hottest thing ever. So to me, that's how I, I would have handled the situation. No, but that's only because I was living with her. I actually was pretty serious with this person, had been dating her for uh, a year, and we finally started living together, and we're looking at being in a serious relationship. So that's how you would handle it. This chick, however was just a groupie that ended up getting to sleep with a band member on a recurring status. So in other words, she was a glorified groupie that thought of herself as a girlfriend just because she got to fuck one of the band members more than once. And then she did two things that are cardinal sins when it comes to dating a musician or a bartender and entertainer. She got jealous... And she got territorial. You cannot do that. You have to let your person on stage do what they do. And when they're off stage, if you guys aren't Facebook official or he hasn't told anyone that you're a girlfriend, back the fuck off. Or maybe you don't need to go to those shows because you got to realize how they met you. I think that's the most hilarious thing. Uh, I'll be dating a bargoyle. And then she gets pissed when I flirt with other people. And I'm like, bitch, how did you think I met you? But if I'm coming home to you, especially if we're living together, don't worry about it. It's paying the bills. But they don't see it that way. They, It's like a guy trying to date a hoe in the club and then try and make a housewife out of a hoe. Like... It's just not going to happen. That's how you met them. People don't change. So give it up. Get over it. And so, you know, this chick, she's like, oh, I'm going to beat her up. Why? Then you'll never hang out with the band. We've known you for three months and we've known her for 12 years. I don't care that she's slutting around, acting a fool and uh, pissing everyone off. She's just drunk. That's the nature of the beast. That's how this works. Uh, if you call yourself a girlfriend or get territorial over some bullshit that you made up in your own damn mind, well, that's your own problem, toots. Sorry. All right, well, that was interesting. 
comic shop didn't have a whole lot. Yes, I'm gonna put my seatbelt on. Shut the fuck up. Dude, hurry up. Goddamn people getting in my way today. Trying to get out and nobody uses their blinkers in a parking lot. Cutting in front of you, making you slam on your brakes. That's actually why I re-recorded the intro three times because I said something stupid, almost psychic uh, feeling where I said, yeah, let's try not to get in an accident today. And so far I've already skirted three of them. I don't know what's on people's asses today, but whatever. All right. Um, walking into Walmart. It's 85 degrees right now in Las Vegas. And there's this sketchy homeless looking dude wearing shorts and flip-flops and a hoodie. And he's got his hands in his pockets and the edges of a box outlining the inside of his hoodie. We all saw it. We all know what's going on. Did Walmart stop him? No. Do they only put, and I'm trying to be nice here because there's a, a word I could use that will tell you exactly who was at the door. But when you put people that aren't observant, mentally capable, or frankly, normal employees without special needs at a door, they're not going to notice shit like that, especially when it doesn't beep. So the guy probably, I mean, I don't know, it could have been a box uh, of crayons, it could have been DVDs, it was pretty big, I mean, it was probably like the size, of, maybe he was a collector, I mean, it was, to me, the box looked like he walked out with uh, something flat, like one of the Nika Ninja Turtle 2 packs or something, but those always have those little alarm tags on them, uh, so it was, uh, it wasn't like an iPad, because shit like that's always locked up, but yeah, it's just, it's suspicious, and I never let that shit fly, I never cared where I worked, nobody ever stole anything when I was on duty, uh, which is probably why I always got security jobs, because nobody roofied anyone when I was on duty either, in fact, I remember one time, when I was managed at Toys R Us, this lady came through, didn't have a baby, but she was pushing a cart that had a bag in it, like a formula bag, and, uh, she beeped, and I stopped her, and she points right at it, and that's something you could do. I mean, it's a telltale sign. When people are guilty, they're going to look at the thing that's making them guilty, or if you talk to them, that's how mentalists used to figure things out at carnivals and pretend to be psychic. Their eyes will go in a certain direction. I was like, hang on, got to check your car. And I, I said something nonchalant like, you gotta check your car, uh, you probably got just a security tag stuck to the bottom or something. But I grabbed the cart at the same time. She's like, I don't have anything, and pointed right to the bag. So I saw, looked at her and her dude, neither one of them had a baby, there's a baby bag right in there. And I was like, cool, hey sweet, open that up for me. She's like, I don't have to. And I said, do it or I will. Opens it up, and there was about five or six video games that were still in those plastic cases. Remember Toys R Us had those like clamshell, hard shell plastic cases uh, for video games? And they all had like the metal magnetic square 
sticker on the back. They don't really use those anymore, like DVDs and electronics. I think they all just use the little tiny strip now. But anyway, I just grabbed him and, and I said, you know, something to the effect of don't come back here, I'll press charges, I don't have time for your paperwork, but don't ever try that crap again. And I got in trouble because I, they said, the management watching security cameras said that I laid hands on their cart, which is technically assault. And I said, so I'm supposed to let them steal $300 worth of product? They said, well, you're not allowed to touch their property. And I said, I didn't. I told them to open it. And I touched our cart. And I said, well, you could have handled it better. And I said, yeah, what would you have done? And I argued my point, and they finally agreed with it. They said, well, thanks for saving the product. Uh, here's your reward. And they gave me, like, I think two or three 15-minute phone cards. That shows you how, you know, long ago this was or how uh, different times were back then. I think this was, like, 2003, 2004, something like that. But, man... Yeah, I had my issues working at Toys R Us and the attitudes I got from them. That's a story for another time. You may have heard it already. But, anywho. So, as I'm trying to find something new... Oh, there it is. I'm going to try and go around the pawn shops and see if I can't find some good guitars. Because going to Guitar Center and Sam Ash and shit like that is really depressing these days because they have these same cookie cutter shapes and colors. It's just boring. Nobody wants the exact same black and white Fender Strat and brown Gibson knockoff Les Paul. Like, I remember when everything had a color or a cool shape or there was Warlocks or something. Nothing. Yeah, they didn't have squad. Uh, it's funny, pawn shops usually have either really good stuff or really bad crap that they try and, for lack of a better word, pawn off on you, trying to tell you that it's something. So it's usually like Peisty symbols or ZXT symbols, which are just stamped symbols that usually only cost 25 bucks brand new and they're going to charge you 100 or they're going to have the knockoff guitars they'll pawn off but you can't sell it to them as a knockoff and tell them it's a fender like i could buy a chinese gibson and take it in and try and sell it as a gibson and they'll arrest me for it but if they got a hold of one they would try and sell it as a gibson so you can't sell it to them but they can rip you off that's how these things work i guess i did find my six string bass back in the day at a pawn shop, which was cool. Uh, it was an Ibanez Soundgear six-string, and I think at the time they were $9.99. They don't make them anymore, and I tried looking them up, and now they're about, uh, I think like $12 or $14.99, something like that. So a lot of the things that I've had just around forever are worth money now. Even some of the Warlocks I've had, uh, some of the cheaper guitars that I'd sold over the years. Boy, you can't buy a Kerry King Warlock that used to be like $129 or 199 at Guitar Center. If you get the Kerry King Flying V now, the minimum it's on eBay for is 600 bucks. It's like a collector's item now. Same thing with all the, the Zach. I have a Zach Wild Epiphone, which is 
it was $7.99 brand new, and now you can't find it for any cheaper than $11.99, and it's just an Epiphone. Yeah, I mean, you can buy them cheaper on, uh, you know, Chinese websites, which they're shipping again, because now that coronavirus is over, let's see what Goodwill got. Yeah, not a lot going on at the pawn shop and the Goodwill that I just tried. Uh, it kind of sucks with that VHS run that I had. I pretty much bought everything that people would have bought, and I'm just not finding anything. I mean, people don't give up, or they know what their collectible stuff is worth. So, yeah, it's uh, not, not as fun thrifting. And it's fun, you know, or it's fine, I should say. I go through phases where I'm buying this, I'm buying that. Now I'm in a music phase where I want to get better gear. I've got a couple auditions coming up as a bass player. Uh, the band that I had been friends with forever decided they're going in a different direction. And I found out the, you know, the main guy is full of shit and he's just been lying to everyone. I, I fall into this trap where sometimes I forget that bands have only ever seen me as a hangaround, even though technically I'm not because I fill in and I've played with them. And, I, and I'm not talking about jamming. I'm talking about like I go on away gigs or I've been paid to do a full night or a full weekend with them at a gig. Uh, and this has happened to me with, with a few different bands where I assume that if I'm gigging with you as a fill-in that if there's a member replacement that I would get a call and you learn real quick that bands even though you gig with them still only see you as just a, a hang around and no more than a groupie uh, which which sucks, and I'm going to have some issues with that, probably lose some friends over it, uh, I, I lost a huge circle of friends because of that in Reno, you know, it's one of those things where if you jam with someone reoccurringly, and the crowd knows you, and everyone knows that you're with this particular band, they ask for you, they wonder why uh, you're not playing with them, and all that, and it just makes for a, a shitty situation, and then you even start believing the own hype, you know, where you're like, well, why am I not in this band? And, uh, yeah, I had an instance before where I was scheduled to go on an away gig and my uncle had died and we had to make an emergency trip up to Washington. And then the guy that got to go on that is the one that they ended up hiring. So it would have been me. And that was heartbreaking. And then now I didn't even get the chance because of the pandemic nobody gigged for two years we also didn't hang out for almost two years so when things came up I got forgotten and replaced when I was always called you know the unofficial fifth guy or the fifth member and so that's just that's kind of shitty and when you confront them on it and you see that they're changing their stories and uh, it just is disappointing and I need to learn to not allow myself to get close to people like that and realize once it crosses the friend barrier into a position of employment that they are just a workforce and your employer or it's a working relationship uh, the idea that I would ever have a 
band of brothers, of friends that I got along with, playing the kind of music that I like, is... It's impossible. I I don't think that's something that's going to happen, but... Anyway, it is what it is. Moving on to the, from that, uh, I've got some other gigs, opportunities. I'm going to make myself useful to other people. And I've seen other uh, bands explored other options. One of those bands has already called me for an audition, which is great. Um, love to explore that. Could be fun. Um, I went to Counts Vamped, which is a cool place. So if you're ever in Vegas... You want to check out different bars off the strip. Vamped is one of them. That's V-A-M-P apostrophe D, and it's owned by Danny from Counts Customs, the TV show. And what was cool about it is everyone remembered me. Uh, they had all hung out at Hogs where I bounced that biker bar. And here it is two, well, actually, no, about three and a half years removed from that where I hadn't seen any of them. Because remember, you got to add two years to everything because nobody did shit during the pandemic. So if something happened a year and a half ago in your mind, add two years because of the pandemic. So I guess three and a half years ago, uh, after I left that bar, it's cool that they all remember me. And we're talking like to everyone else, it's it's like starstruck. It's crazy. They're all like, what? You know so-and-so? They're on a TV show. Well... I'm, I'm on a TV show. I've been on HBO's Cat House. I, I've done a movie with uh, Luke Wilson and Dennis Farina and the uh, the slow-looking guy, Daryl or whatever, from Walking Dead. Um, I didn't even know he was in Reservoir Dogs or whatever that show was uh, before I had... I mean, I just didn't know who the guy was. I didn't know who anybody was. I knew who Luke Wilson was, but... I'm just not that way with celebrities. I'm not all gaga. I don't want to take pictures. I don't want your autograph. Like, let's shoot the shit and have a beer. You know, that's uh, the way I was, you know, when I was telling you about my stories about meeting Greg Valentine versus Kevin Nash, where Nash is all about the money and doesn't give a shit, even though he owes me an autograph uh, for some of the artwork I've done for him. And uh, that never happened. But... Greg Valentine, I didn't buy anything from him, and I shared a story from my childhood about him, and he just was so uh, happy to hear and reminisce about those kinds of stories. Uh, so, of all the celebrities I've met, it's it's nice to just sit down and have a memory, as opposed to treating them like someone that's on a pedestal. So, I met Vamped, and I'm watching Counts 77, that's his uh, kind of late 70s hard rock cover band. And I hear a familiar Hungarian thick accent, and I turn around, and it's fucking Roly. I I couldn't believe it. I hadn't seen him in years because he had a falling out and a divorce, and he left the show, and he moved away, and then uh, he just, he was gone. So it it had been at least five, six years since I had seen him. And then he remembered me, like, right away. Came up, gave me a big hug. We're talking, and then Horny Mike's there. Uh, in between, you know, he, he's a picture horse, so he's taking selfies with everybody. Uh, but he saw Rolly talk to me. He came over and said hi. Uh, every, it was just, it was a good time. And, you know, it was, it was like old times, and I needed that. I needed to know that I had friends outside of this circle of abusers and assholes that aren't going to use me and have str- strung me along for years 
that I actually have real friends and other friends. And it's not to slap them in the face. It's not to be like, hey, ha ha, I know celebrities and you don't. Because they know their own celebrities. They know their own people. But you rely so much on what you call and what you think are your best friends, not realizing that the scars on your heart will never come from someone that you don't know. Another thing I got to do besides stopping relying on people and assuming that I mean more to them than I actually do is I need to I need to stop being everyone's enforcer. You know, nobody does that for me where they go to battle and sometimes literally fight for me. You know, the whole band drama with the the chicks, uh, I had to keep the two girls separated. It wasn't my job. They didn't ask me to do it. But for some reason, everyone always looks to me for leadership and to help fix a situation. And I do because I'm good at it. You know, it's the same thing with uh, the the guy that stole stuff. You know, I don't need to be everybody's bouncer. I don't need to stop. I don't work security at Walmart. I don't need to stop a fight in a bar just because one broke out and your bartender can't handle it. Like, it's not my job. And I think that's something I need to change about myself is uh, I need to make myself happy, do the things that I need to do and not keep myself available or uh, hold myself for whenever somebody needs me. I just need to make myself useful, and then if it comes to a time where they need me and I'm not available, well, sucks to be them. They should have uh, utilized me more or locked me down more. Um, and that, that's what sucks about the, a lot of the band stuff is I would like to stay friends, but I don't know what kind of a friend I actually am. You know, do they ask me to come hang out for beers? Do they talk to me about other stuff not music related? And then I got to ask myself, do I only talk to them for a potential gig or a job? Or do I actually like these people? And so it made me almost not want to go and watch their show the other night. But then I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to play the other hand and say, you know what? You're performing. You're doing a job. You work for me now. You're entertaining me. So I have every right to show up. And if you play a song I don't like, I don't have to sit there and pretend that I like it. I don't have to stay the whole show. I showed up to see my out-of-town friend for a half an hour one night and left. And everyone was all surprised. Didn't even drink. And then the other night, uh, the last night she was in town, I, I stayed all night and hung out afterwards, just like we used to do. Uh, but I kept to myself, did my own thing. And, you know, unfortunately I tried to help out with the girls not fighting in that situation. Then I realized, you know what? Fuck it. It's not my problem. They can all fix their own problems from now on, you know? Everybody's on their own. It's time to go back to to Lone Wolf and taking care of my needs and, and things that I want. Because I do too much for people. I definitely realize that. Everything that I do, I put in 110% for real. I don't just 
finish a gig or a commission or, or something like that for someone, I make sure it's done right. I do the revisions. I uh, do extra things. I don't charge nearly enough for the amount of work that I put into the action figures that I do. Uh, I'm actually losing money now, especially because of taxes and especially because of shipping now, that it's, I hate to say it, almost not even worth my time anymore. And I'm not looking to get out uh, by playing music. I'm hoping to do a little here and there. But I'd rather it be more passive than a necessity because I've relied, again, on sales and people that I thought were there to support things and that were buying stuff. And then you find out who your real friends are real quick and who actually is supporting you and who actually does like your product. So uh, I have to do what's best so that I could survive and not lose my house, lose income, or lose opportunities. Anywho, you can see how down and how my tone changes when I talk about the band. You know, they had led me to believe one thing was going to happen, and uh, it didn't. And, uh, you know, these are guys I've been friends with for 12 years or more. And I guess I just saw things differently. But you know what it is, what it is. It's their band. can do whatever they want. I will say one thing. I, I've had a, a great uh, outcry of support from people. You know, that's pretty depressing when you realize uh, your best friend, one in particular, I should say, the rest of the band's been fine with me, uh, and they don't understand why the the main guy and his wife are being such a jack-off, but um, they, uh, there's been such a great outcry of support from people. I posted a few kind of Eeyore sappy posts, told people why I was down and everything, and yeah, it's nice to know when people care. So uh, I found out pretty quick that a lot of people do care. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a good feeling. So I got a lot of nice messages and, and thank, thank you all for, for doing that. Um, it just, it means a lot to know that people actually do care in a day and age when not many people do. So anyway, tried another pawn shop. They had a couple of interesting looking things, but mostly knockoff guitar brands and things that look like fenders, but they really aren't. Um, but yeah, so anyway, let's, let's think more positively and, and nerdly, uh, try and kick out of that mood of stuff. Noticed a couple comics came out today. Patch, number one, uh, Wolverine in his uh, time in the Orient, uh, or I should, I think it was Madripoor. And then uh, Venom, Lethal Protector. So they're really trying to go for that nostalgia. And I think that's about the only type of thing I'm really going to be interested in buying from Marvel anymore. Modern stories just don't appeal to me. I hate uh, the direction that they went from pleasing a certain crowd to pleasing a completely different crowd and not pleasing everyone. There's a way of doing that where you can please everyone and it just sucks that no one's doing that because you have to please the popular crowd or not at all. And I think that's dumb because both crowds now and different people all have the same uh, idea where they think their way is right and they only want uh, 
They only want one outcome. They don't want you to have your own thing. So you can tell I'm a little distracted. I've got guys by the car asking for money and uh, it's a big scam. Never in my life would I give money that's going to somebody unless they're in a firefighter outfit and you put money in the boot. Like that's about the only thing I trust. All these other people, they'll show you a card or something and act like they're part of a corporation or something like that. And they're really not. It's all a scam. But, uh, anyway, Lethal Protector is interesting because that was one of the better stories. It was only a six issue story of Venom and things, I think after or around Maximum Carnage. I think it was Venom's actual first standalone book, uh, where he was getting popular enough that he needed his own book. A lot of times these, uh, bad guys in the 90s started becoming more popular than the good guys because like I mean look at fucking Punisher is a serial killer yet everybody loved him well that's because he had uh you know he was doing Dexter he was doing the good things he was trying to uh eliminate the bad guys so I guess that's how now we've got Venom and Sabretooth Deadpool even is the biggest one. Deadpool's a serial killer. He's basically Spider-Man with guns and katanas. And he was a bad guy. He was created as a villain. And now he's like the number one anti-hero. Which is funny. They'll let him have guns, but they won't let Punisher have guns. And it's because extremist groups adopted the logo. And now everybody thinks they're the Punisher when they don't realize it meant something completely different. Well, I tell you, if I was a network podcaster or somebody that did this for money, I would have scrapped this episode. Sorry, there's just not much going on. Uh, Stores don't have things for me to buy. Things that I'm looking for aren't around. Uh, It's been a a tough year, but thankfully things are turning around. And uh, the world's not a decent, nice place anymore. It's like we went from being happy and everything's great to having this weird virus where we all got paid to stay home and then now they kind of just throw you to the world and the wolves and then basically say okay good luck now and now it's such a different world that it's like you don't know how to fit in people don't know how to talk to each other they don't know how to uh smile everybody's rude everybody's selfish uh nobody's really doing anything for each other taking care of each other they're all still hoarding toilet paper and alcohol and not even the right kind of alcohol. In fact, you know what's missing on the shelves now is fucking paper plates and crackers. Like, what is what is up with that? Why is there a cracker shortage? I know that's hysterical because, like, 20 years from now we'll have affirmative action where we have to have a certain amount of white people in shows, but, yeah, there's, like, zero crackers on the shelves. And I don't know what that is. I don't know why paper plates are in hot demand right now either. What have we been doing with paper plates during the pandemic? Why can we have those and not toilet paper? Why is toilet paper rolls getting... Did I tell you this before? I think I mentioned this. How Don't think we didn't notice that the toilet paper roll got bigger during the pandemic and you got less paper 
now the pandemic's over, the toilet paper roll is smaller, so you get more paper, but they cut the rolls shorter, so you're actually still getting fucked over. Pay attention to that. If you don't think that toilet paper companies are out to screw you, well, look at their bass-ackwards math that they have to show on the package just to prove that they're not screwing you. This package has 15. That's three more than 12 rolls. But they don't do it that plainly. It's like, this is the equivalent of 32 rolls, but we're including extra, which is the equivalent of 72 rolls. How? If you, like, stack up each square individually? It's just, marketing is ridiculous, and people out there to screw you and sell you, I mean, everyone's a fucking car salesman these days. It's terrible. Car salesmen aren't even that bad. When I bought the car I'm driving in now, I went in, I told them what I wanted, I said, okay, cool, fill out the paperwork, it's this much a month, and I'm like, wait, you're not going to check? They're like, no, we don't care. I mean, I had great credit, and, uh, could have got anything I wanted, but I basically went in and said, yeah, I just want a Kia Soul. They had it on sale for, it was like $289 a month, and then if you got the extended warranty, which I still think is a dumbass idea, they bump it up to $329. Uh, they didn't even care. They're just like, here you go. Here it is. When I bought my truck years and years and years ago, Man, they had to check your credit, your reference, your dick size, smell your farts, and lick your feet before they could figure out, okay, yeah, you, you can own a truck. Like, it's a 99 Dodge Ram, get over yourself. And then I bought my Tiburon, and I had such good credit, they said I could basically get whatever I wanted. And I said, fine, I want the fastest red car you had on the lot, and they gave me a Hyundai Tiburon, which was great. I loved it. Um... I, I wish, you know, it would have lasted a little longer, but it was over like 150,000 miles. It was a V6. It was the last of the street racer type vehicles that they actually made out of metal. Um, but man, that car, dude, we went through a lot together. Uh, and I feel sorry for whoever got that car because it's going to smell a little fishy in the summertime. Uh, let's just say I dated a lot of squirters. All right, I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to try Target. And this will be my last stop for the day. Well, I should say a Target and a pawn shop. Um, Holothon, this Nika Holothon, has, has been a bust. I didn't see any Elvira. I just saw one Fugitoid today. But I'm at the point, honestly, where I don't want to be spending... 40, 50 bucks on a figure from a company that is a mass production, nationally known, major retail driven company. That's something you should pay for a unique piece of art that someone's actually making you, like what I do. Um, yeah, the Holothon, God, there was nothing. In fact, the last Target I went to, that Channel 6 April O'Neill thing or whatever that I put back is still there. That shit's going to go on clearance. Nobody wants to pay $160 for four figures that's overpriced as it is. Man, there just ain't shit out there today. 
not finding anything and you know I wasn't really looking for anything in particular I just saw Mattel Elite 88 with Bushida whatever the uh, or Kushida what's his name I don't even know these people anymore the guy looks like the back to the future dude and uh, I thought that was supposed to be out like last year they got it now so that you see things online, the influencers get it, everybody wants it, it's a mad scramble, you have to pay $10 more just to get it from ringside collectibles, and then a year later, it's a shelf warmer at Target. Collecting just is not fun anymore. And that's a shame, that's, that's a real shame. Uh, it used to be you could find something cheap and it's not just because of the economy it's not just because of you know whatever president you want to blame your shit on or your problems on it's everything has gone up and they stopped making cost effective toys like the only thing that's cheap used to be Funko Pops or it used to be the Marvel Retros or uh, even G.I. Joe's, anything that was 3.75 inch, which was why a lot of people collected them, was supposed to be the cheap ones, but they're not anymore, because they added so much fucking articulation to these things that it costs an arm and a leg to actually make and produce these. It just takes all the fun of it. I, I wish people would do more of that 5.5, or no, what do they call it, the, the 5, well... I guess the five points of articulation is, is one way that keeps it cheap, and then also uh, 5.5 with the five point of articulation, like Masters Universe style. Those were great, uh, but Savage World stopped. Even things like the Masters of the WWE Universe, it was $14.99, and now the Superstars, which is basically the exact same line, using the same molds, the same bucks that they've used for absolutely everything they're saving a shit ton of money and they still raise the prices to 20 bucks like why what is going on that you need to charge so damn much is it because you're building shit in china and the freight is ridiculous i i don't know it's just it's not fun and then this holothon thing from nika it just seems to be like they're I would have called it warehouse finds. I would have called it like, here's the shit we couldn't sell, so we're going to send it to Target, put a flashy sign on it, and pretend that it's something. It's not. All these things went out for pre-orders. And the dumb thing is, too, uh, God, we've been like two, oh, it'll be three years now without Toy Fair or San Diego Comic Con because of this wonderful pandemic bullshit that companies aren't even doing exclusives the right way anymore. They're not doing releases and they're not showing you anything cool that's coming out. And if they do, you got to pre-order it and wait a year and a half. Like I think now, just now, two years later, Thundercats Ultimates Series 1 is finally shipping from Super 7. And they're now taking pre-orders for Series 3? Why? 
I mean, I, I have bought and sold Thundercats. Well, I've griped on this before, so there's no point in repeating it. I've bought and sold them enough. I'm over it, you know? I, I want to buy things. I want something new to come out every month or every other month. I want to hunt for things, but I don't want to fight people for it. And it just, it, it's impossible. It's, it's just taking all the fun out of it. So I actually have started selling a lot of things that I didn't think I would sell. One of the big ones was Master Universe Classics. Since I got Pixel Dan Eardley's uh, book that has the turnarounds and all the accessories and everything for Master of the Universe, I, uh, I don't feel the need to keep them anymore. I was only keeping them for reference because I like the vintage ones better. So I started getting rid of them and I'm getting like, you know, 50 to 100 bucks a pop. Yep, whole lot of nothing. So all I got today was six comic books and some packing material. It's another thing people don't realize. I'm spending so much money on bubble wrap and boxes and shipping and everything that when I charge 40 or $50 for a figure, I probably only get maybe half of that as profit. And that means the hours that I spend putting into these things, I'm almost back to making 10, 12 bucks an hour. So, you know, we'll have to do some readjusting, figure some things out, do whatever. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, that's about all I got. Honestly, I thought I would have a lot more to go off of, but uh, there's just not much going on. I've got some goals for the next coming week. Uh, I want to get a couple of gigs outside of the usual circle of bands. I want to finish everything on my commission list and then take a break for the rest of the month uh, so I can actually get my next newsletter out. Um, and honestly, I think that's it. I, I have given up, not because of Lent or religious reasons, blah, 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 religious reasons. Religious reasons uh, is not the reason I gave up hard alcohol, but I realized when I go out on a bender and drink Jameson all night, I have to spend the next day recovering and sleeping it off. But if I go out and drink 15 Coors Light just to have something in my hand, I'm fine. I'm not even buzzed. Uh, that could mean I'm an alcoholic. We all know it. Whatever. Don't care. Don't want to hear it. It's a temporary fix that'll make me happy. So I could be doing a lot worse things. But anywho... I actually did wake up in a good mood. I do have a, a good outlook. Uh, I sold some things I didn't necessarily want to, but uh, I caught up on, on bills and uh, things and uh, starting to look. I'm, I'm starting to, to see the peak of the mountain again, uh, which is good because it's been a long time coming. And if nothing else, I'm going to make it fun. I'm going to explore and go do new things catch up with old friends that I haven't seen in a long time that I've been putting off because I've been only, you know, associating with one particular group. And uh, I think it's time to just enjoy spring, enjoy the warm weather. It's going to be 90 degrees tomorrow. It sucks if it's colder where you're at. I don't know what to tell you. Move to Vegas. 
I actually don't. The housing market's ridiculous. But anywho, that's it. I am gonna scare around for some food and see what's up for that. Stay safe and sane. Mind your own fucking business and support friends that actually support you and try and be nice maybe just once in a while you never know when it'll really help and when somebody really needs to hear a kind word thank you good day